Hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, if we're committed to heaven, heaven will be committed to us. But if we're not committed to the cause of God, how can we expect God to be committed to our cause? Amen. He, he will commit himself to those who walk in faith and commit themselves unto him. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. We are going to talk about and teach you and preach to you this morning about what justification brings into your and my life. What do, when I get born again and I get into the kingdom of God, what kind of life do I live? What do I experience in being saved? Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, let's all say by faith. And remember we talked about it last week. It's an unreserved abandonment to God, a total commitment to God in all our ways. That's the kind of faith he's talking about here. He said, we are justified by faith. We have peace. Let's say peace. We have peace with who? With God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. By whom also we have access. Let's say access. We have access. Access or an in introduction, an entrance. Access is an entrance or an introduction. We have access by faith. Let's say faith. Did it say feeling? Did it say emotion? Did it say based on circumstances? No, it said by faith. Amen. The scripture says we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Whoa. Is he writing this to the American church? <laughs> well, he's writing it to the church in Rome, but is he writing it to the American church? Uh-oh. The American church thinks it has to be all our way before we rejoice. God says rejoice in tribulation. Man, it's easy to shout and run and clap your hands when everything's going great but God said rejoice in tribulation rejoice in problems let me tell you something you're gonna have more problems than you are are have happenings in your life that'll make you happy so you might as, we might as well just get ready just to rejoice because if you if we're waiting for the good times the bad times are, are gonna so far as the circumstances in our life go how many of y'all deal with problems on a daily basis? Yeah, if you're waiting for it all to, to line up and be perfect, you, it's never going to happen. Amen? The Bible says in this life we will have tribulation. We will suffer persecution. The Lord promised that to us. Amen? But he said rejoicing in tribulation, that's true faith right there. When you can rejoice when everything is completely falling apart around you, then you're walking in faith. That's really living faith. But if you can only rejoice in the good times, the people in the world that don't know God rejoice when they get a million dollar lottery win. 
Come on, I'm talking to somebody in this place, and I'm going to convict you. I'm going to put you in a conviction today. People out there get happy when they get a million dollars. And, when, you know, and they get sad when, they, when things don't go good. So anybody can get happy when good things are happening to them. But not too many can rejoice when bad things are happening. That's living faith. Dead faith is, I'm not going to rejoice because I didn't have a good day. That's dead faith. Let's all say living faith. Living faith rejoices, let's say it together, in tribulation. Hallelujah. Continue reading. He says, We glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now that's more than just patience. Let me explain. There, It's fortitude. Fortitude. It's more than endurance, it's overcoming. Overcoming. You know, we're not just going to endure the situations, we're going to overcome them. Hallelujah. Let me read, I'm, I'll, go, I'll get to the teaching of it. And the Bible says, and patience, experience. What is experience? Character. Okay, we'll talk about it. And it says, experience hope let's say hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly Ooh, praise the Lord that was me right there and the Bible says for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us let's say this together Christ died for me when I was a sinner amen let's say much more together much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life help me read that again the latter part much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. 
But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, say it with me, much more, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which by one man Jesus Christ, Christ hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, say it with me, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus. Right, let's say reign. <laughs> reign in life by one Jesus Christ therefore as by one offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men under justification of life for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did that much more abound. Where sin abounds, grace did that much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me pray. Lord, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, that you would just help us to receive this word today that is from you. That you will strengthen us, you will speak to us, God. Help us to conquer, help us to be victorious, and help us to walk in your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Again, it's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You see, peace is something everybody's looking for. Peace was something that the Old Testament people were looking for. What is, what is peace? It's not, not the absence of conflict. Jesus went through conflict, but he was the Prince of Peace. So peace is, you know, we have a concept of peace of there's no conflict in our lives. But peace is not the absence of conflict. You can be in the middle of a tremendous battle and conflict in your life, but still have deep-seated peace. Why? Because we have peace with God. You look in the Old Testament prophets and you see them, when they would preach, they would preach about an age that was going to come. They were in the Old Testament, the old economy, the, the old covenant. And when they would preach, they would look forward into the in the future and they would see a new covenant called the blood covenant that would come and they were they preached about the Messiah that would come the Savior of the world the Messiah the anointed one Jesus Christ 
And when they would preach about him and this age that was going to come in the future, always associated with his coming and his kingdom, they would preach peace and they would preach joy and they would preach victory and they would preach the people being worshiping the king in that peace. Let's all say in the kingdom. Let's all say in Rome. Let's all say in Odessa. In the kingdom. We have peace with God. Isaiah 2, we talked, we preached about that a few weeks ago. Isaiah chapter 2 is a picture of that which is going to come in the future. And we see people taking their weapons of war and turning them into tools of harvest. Only peace can do that. We see a peace that is going to be brought to the world, but that peace is already in the church. It's already in us through Jesus Christ. So those prophets, they talked about an age, a world that was going to come. When this peace was going to come, a peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done for us. Now if this don't excite you, you, you might as well go home and, and sit down and, and watch something that will excite you. You with me today? I'm talking about something that everybody's looking for. It's called peace. Everybody needs peace today. And you only find it in Jesus Christ in His kingdom. And peace is more than just, you know, the absence of conflict. Peace is a bringing together that which was separated before. You and I were separated from God. And because we were separated from God, we were aliens to God. We didn't know God. There was a separation there. And we were in the old Adam. And when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden and he fell, the Bible says that his sin separated him from God. And Adam died. And so as long as you're in Adam, then you are separated from God. And we'll explain that to you as we go along here. We were separated. We were in Adam. But now, by the new birth, being born again, we are brought into the kingdom of God, into a new society, into a a new age it's not the new age movement it's a new age it's the new testament it's a new time you with me today this is the real new age that we have it's called the dispensation of grace it's called the dispensation of the Holy Ghost it's called the dispensation the church age that's the new age all those dispensations in the Old Testament were ages they were epochs in the history of mankind in which God dealt with man according to some specific revelation of his will he told man here's my will man and if you'll obey my will then you will be saved if you disobey my will then you will be separated from me and so now he comes and he talks to us about a new age where Jesus Christ has come into this world. He's died on a cross and he's brought in a new dispensation of time. Ooh, glory to God. We are continually living below what God wants us to be. You live below what God wants you to be. I live below what God has planned. We're in a new dispensation. The church age. The scripture tells us that we are now bound back. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are now brought back to God. That separation is brought back together. 
Now we as his creation walk into the very presence of God and we have a relationship with God himself. Do we grasp that? We were dead in trespasses and sin in the underneath Adam's, through Adam's sin. But the Lord came and he died for that sin and he gave us access right back into the very presence of God himself. And when I walk into the presence of God, I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to feel inferior. Because the Lord has given me access. And we are bound back together in, in God. And we talked about the fall of Lucifer Wednesday night. You know, when he fell, he fell for good. He has no hope of ever being reconciled back to God. He is forever out. He can't come back to God. But you and me as human beings who were born in sin had the uh, ability to walk back in the presence of God and have fellowship once again, which we did not have before. That is a miracle. And that's what this chapter is going to be talking about. Because we have this relationship with God, now we've got peace with God. And what was separated, man was separated from God. Now we've joined hand in hand back together. And when I came to church today, God was on the inside of me. And when I came to church today, I didn't just come by myself, but God Himself came in this place. And He fellowships with me and He talks to me. And I hear His voice leading and guiding me. And I, hear, I know that He's there. I feel His presence. I hear His voice. God is in this place. I'm talking about the Holy One, the Creator, all-powerful, all-knowing God is in this place communing and fellowshipping with human beings that deserve separation. But now we're brought back together. We have peace with God. No longer separated, but joined back to God Himself. What an awesome thing. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have His wrath. We have His peace. The scripture says, by whom also we have access. Somebody say access. Boy, y'all need this. Y'all need this this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you need something, man. You need something. I got it. <laughs> I'm not waiting to get there. I'm already there, man. Praise God. This is for you. <laughs> Do you believe you can walk in the very presence of God and get whatever you need today? Do you believe that? He came to give us life in that more abundantly. We're in the house of the Lord God in fellowship with Him. By whom also we have access, let's say access, by faith. Access by faith. Access, whenever I give a person access into my house, I'm opening the door to them and they're walking into my house. How, do they, how were they able to walk into my house? I opened the door of access. And I brought them in and I introduced them to my family. That is what Jesus Christ has done for us. We have access. But where is the access that we have? It's the very throne of God Himself. 
I'm not waiting to get, yeah, there's going to be, there's a physical throne, and Jesus is physically sitting on that throne, but we are seated together in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus. And whenever I go into the presence of God, I'm going into the throne room. When I start praising Him and, I, and then I worship Him, I'm walking in the Holy of Holies. Not only am I moving in the Holy of Holies, I am the Holy of Holies. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's what the devil doesn't want you to know today. That God lives inside your body. That you are the very Holy of Holies. Your, your body, your spirit is the throne room of God Himself. We have access. We have been brought back together with God. What would you think would happen today if you were in heaven? And you walk to the holy place. And behind that, the holy of holies. And you know God's sitting on the throne. Hallelujah. Hear me. Would you approach him the same this morning here as you do there? How would you approach the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who fills the universe, man? How would we approach him? Would you approach him thinking and believing that his judgment's going to come, come crashing down upon you? His wrath is going to be given to you and you're going to be judged and cast out? You know, Lucifer, God just, boom, kicked him out of heaven with his finger. He just kicked him out of heaven with just a thump. That's all it took. You see something? You know what? The devil, why would the devil ever rebel against God, the king? Why would the devil do that? He must have been completely crazy to rebel against God, the all-powerful God. What he must have done was he must have begun to calculate that, oh, you know, God, it took so much of God's power to create the sun. It took so much of God's power to create the earth. It took so much God's power to, to to create the angels so he was calculating the power of God and then he goes to the fallen angels and said come on fallen angels I mean not not they weren't fallen then but he the ones that did fall he went to those angels and said hey come on fellas let's get rid of God let's throw him on the throne we can do it I've calculated his power based on his creation but he didn't understand that when God spoke the worlds into existence he never used just a little bit of his power and so when he stood up against God, thinking he had enough power to overcome God, God said, okay, Lucifer, you think you've got enough power to kick me off the throne? I'm just going to thump you out of heaven with my finger. Because the Bible says God has power over devils. He cast out devils by the finger of God. And he just, boom, kicked Satan out of heaven with a thump of the finger. I'm trying to get you to understand the awesomeness of our God. He's an awesome God that I serve. He's not some weak, created being. He's God Almighty, all-powerful. It didn't 
kid. He didn't exert no nothing. He didn't get tired when he kicked the devil and his angels out of heaven. He's like you do a bug. And it is to that place that I have access this morning. Jesus takes me to the very throne room of God. And there he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords, sitting on that throne. And when I walk into the throne room, I have an introduction. I have an entrance. I have an access. And I'm not condemned. But by the grace of God, I stand there in the favor of God. And he doesn't judge me and cast me out. He accepts, accepts me into the very throne room of his presence. He accepts us today. We, he introduces us. Brother Bobby, come here. Come here, brother. Thank you. You know, the Lord just takes Brother Bobby, takes him right into the throne room, and, 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 and God just starts blessing him. Boom. Grace and power and anointing and victory and salvation and strength and grace favors all over him. And Brother Bobby feels like he deserves to die. He feels like a low-down, no-good thing. But God said, I don't look at you that way. I've accepted you. You've got an introduction. And Jesus says, let me introduce you to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we walked into church this morning, God didn't look at us and say, oh, there they are. Boom, pushes us aside. He said, come on into the throne room. I don't want you to stay out in the corridor. I want you to come into the very presence of the throne. Thank you, brother. When I came to church today, I wasn't worried that God was going to throw me out. I just said, God, I'm going to church, and I know that by your grace, I'm going to have an introduction into the very throne of the king of the universe. But I did a further study on that word. And that word not only means an introduction into the throne room of God, but picture, if you will, in your mind, a boat on the sea being tossed back and forth by the waves of the sea. And picture yourself in that boat with oars in your hands and struggling so desperately not to have that boat sink on you. Struggling so desperately to get to the other side, to get to the shore, to get to the banks. And you row and you row and you row and you struggle in life and you struggle and you struggle and you struggle trying to row. And you get a little ways and the waves push you back out into the ocean. And there you are struggling, struggling, struggling. Are you with me? After you get tired of struggling in life, you finally realize that you can't make it by yourself. We talked about it Wednesday night. The reason why God didn't take the devil and throw him into hell is so that the devil, so that we could see that even God's highest creation, independent of God, can't make it without Him. And if He can't make it without Him, we can't either. But in life, we try to do it, man. We struggle, we row, we fight, and we, you know, we go two paces forward and we go back five paces. What is going on? Why is our lives so boom, back and forth, like a double-minded man being tossed to and fro throughout the waves? Why is that? 
because we're not walking in faith. We're depending on ourselves and not on God. We're trying to do for ourselves what we cannot do. Only God can do it. That's what grace is. Listen to me. So we were out there struggling, right? Well, it'd be a lot easier if I could take my rope and I could throw it over to the bank. And there'd be somebody there that could just grab a hold of that rope and pull me into the bank. And I'd just sit there on the bow. And as soon as the rope is being pulled, he's pulling me through the storms, he's pulling me through the waves. And all of a sudden, I move into the area called the harbor. And at the harbor, complete calmness and peace. That's what God is showing us that being justified by faith is like. It's like you've been trusted in yourself and all of a sudden you throw the rope to God and say, okay, God, I've tried to do it my way. I can't do it any longer, God. I've got to have you to pull me into shore. I've been fighting the waves of life. I've been struggling daily and he's letting you do it. He's letting you struggle. He's letting you roll, man, till you get to the end of yourself until you get to a point where you say, God, I've got to have you. He'll let you get there. And it wouldn't be neat if after struggling so long that all of a sudden your boat just moves into a calm harbor. Rest and peace overcome those obstacles. That's what some of you are looking for today. And that's what God says is already available to you. <clears throat> the problem is you still want the oars. gave up trying to do it my own way a long time ago because that only brings struggle and that brings despair that's the way the old age was it was the old covenant the law condemnation darkness and blackness and despair and judgment all of that but we have a new time now Jesus has come now Woo, glory to God and because of what he's done not what I've done I have access into the throne room of God today and he can just pull me right into a calm harbor harbor where there's peace Amen. Why would we want to hold on to the oars when God said, I'll do it for you? Amen. Come on, church. Somebody say, we have an access. You tired of rowing? Amen. Listen, it's so simple. It is so simple. It really is. Why do we keep struggling and we keep rowing and we keep fighting? You know, because we haven't gone to God. We haven't gone to the throne room. We haven't prayed. We haven't, listen, you know how easy it is? When you, I know from personal experience. Isn't it amazing when you talk to God that your whole day goes differently? Because you're depending on Him. And though, I mean, everything could collapse, man. But if you've, been, if you've talked to God, you don't worry about it. If you haven't talked to God, then you're rolling, fighting, struggling. But it's so simple. We're just talking and praying to God. And then He 
You get full of the Spirit. You get full of peace. You get full of joy. Long-suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to struggle to produce them. They just happen. Amen? Sometimes we're, we're trying to struggle to produce righteousness. We're trying to produce goodness. We're trying to produce love and, and all of the fruit of the Spirit. When God says, hey, that's my department. Just get full of me and you'll be full of fruit. But the problem why you're so struggling and you're so heavy laden and you're so burdened is because you're not letting me carry the burden. Are you with me today? When God says, come on into my throne. A king is not poor. A, he can do anything. He can heal. He can meet your needs. But you got to go to him. Hallelujah. Just, just try it uh, one week. I challenge you to try it one week. Talk to God every day of the week. At least 15 minutes, 30 minutes. This is convicting some of y'all because you know you're not praying. And you're struggling because you're not praying. I've been there. I know. I know. I'm not saying I'm bigger than you. I've been there. I know what it's like not to pray. And struggle with life. But oh, how I know what it's like when you pray and that God just, uh, just takes care of it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Just start loving Him, start appreciating Him, start praising Him. And He says, I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. Instead of going to God and saying, oh God. You know, and, and murmuring and complaining and griping about everything and laughing. You know, I mean, what, it'd be great if we just say, oh thank you Jesus for what you've done for me in the past. Thank you for healing my body when I was sick. Thank you for meeting that, paying the bill, helping me to pay the bill last month. Thank you, God, for giving me a blessing. You know what? People that are struggling with, with relationships, if they'll just sit down and start talking about all the good things in those relationships instead of talking about and majoring on all the problems and all the, the bad things, it will amaze you how your relationship will straighten out when you focus on the good things that have happened instead of only on the bad things and the negative things. But I want to tell you, it's the devil's trap to get you to focus only on the negative, only on the bad, and only on your problems. When God said, I've got a promise, I've got a way, I've got an access into the very throne room of God, and I bless you and I'll help you. Just walk in there and just start thanking me for them. Hallelujah. This all comes by what? Through Jesus. What Jesus has done. He goes on and he says, in that same chapter, you know, you know, church, we're not on a battery system. We're not on a battery system. The battery system is, the battery goes down and you get charged back up. Amen. Y'all don't like this, do you? Look up at me, smile me, smile at me. You don't like this, do you? But it's the truth come to church on Wednesday night, man, you get full, praise God, man, you can, you can, you can take care of every spirit, every problem in your life. 
Thursday comes along, you start leaking. Juice starts going out. <clears throat> By the time Sunday gets here, we come to church and we've lost the victory, man. What we don't understand, we're not on the battery system to where we go out in the world and we lose the charge and then God has to charge us back up. The reason why we feel like we've lost strength and victory and power is because we are, are on a circuit of power. We're in the circuit of power. You with me? There's a circuit of power that flows through these electric wires. All I have to do is just take my plug and plug it into that circuit, and there's power right there. I don't have to get recharged and recharged and recharged. All I got to do is just plug it into the power. Just go to the source who's God. And if I walk in that and I keep myself plugged into God, then that power is just going to keep flowing. And I'm never going to run out of juice. I'm going to stay fired up because the power is flowing. Because I'm plugged into God. And the only way to do that is to walk with God. He just waiting for you to plug into the power. It's already there. It's already flowing. Hallelujah. So if I come to church and I feel like I've been drained, my battery's gone, you know what? I haven't been plugging into the power the last few days of my life. Amen? Come on, church. The Lord wants to help you today. I want to help you. I want to help you. Glory to God. This life will devastate anybody that's not plugged into God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now he's talked about this. He said, wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I need to run, get with it, because I've only gone through two verses. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's the goal. Is that your goal this morning? Do you have a goal in life? Your goal in life is to attain the glory of God. Everything else is not important. The most important thing is you get in heaven with a glorified body. You obtain the glory of God. That is your goal. And with joy. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's continue. Okay, now listen real carefully. Verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. We glory in God. We're seeking, the goal is the glory of God, but we also glory in tribulations. I love this. Paul is so practical. On one hand, he said, this is what walking with God is like. Being ushered into the throne room of God, standing there in His grace, being, having the favor of the King, or being brought into a harbor of calmness after being out on the storm, fighting and wrestling. That's what the grace of God is like. But then Paul's so practical, he says, oh yeah, but I remember you're in Rome. <laughs> And I remember how tough it is to live the Christian life in Rome. Amen? Somebody say amen. See, I remember you're in Odessa and you live in this world. You're not in heaven yet. Paul remembers, I remember the trouble and the problem that you face and, and the struggle, you know, that's there. But he said, even tribulation is not going to 
overthrow your hope. Because though you are in Rome, church in Rome, and though you are in Odessa, church in Odessa, you are in Christ. And never forget that in Christ, yes, in the problem, sick in body, in need at times, but in Christ, struggling and sometimes depressed, in depression, but in Christ. Trying to live righteous and, and, and failing at times, but in Christ. In failure, in despair, in discouragement, in depression, in need. But don't forget, in Christ. In Christ. Paul said, I know about all of that. He said, but in tribulation. He said, glory. Because even when you're having all kinds of problems, he said, that's going to turn out something good for you too. When you live for God, there's no such thing as losing. You're only a winner when you walk with God. You can't lose when you walk with God. Even when you're having problems, you're going to win. Glory to God. He said with glory in tribulations. Oh, that goes contrary to human nature, right? Glory and in problems. Why do you want a glory in a problem? Why do you want to get happy and all joyful about a problem? A trial. Hang in there. You see, this is God's perspective. Not human nature and psychologists. This is God's perspective. God's perspective on how to deal with your problem is glory in them. Hallelujah. Because he says, when you glory in tribulation, you know that tribulation worketh patience. <clears throat> tribulation trials build fortitude in you and me. You know what fortitude is? Overcoming, overcoming conquering power. How many of y'all have just endured some things in your life? You just endure them. That's not the way you handle problems. According to God's Word, I love y'all. Y'all are so sweet. I'm telling you the truth. Y'all are precious. I mean that. The way we handle our problems and our troubles is not just enduring them, but conquering them. Don't just sit in the problem, enduring it day after day, Get up and say, I'm not going to live this way. I'm going to conquer it by the power of God. I'm going to overcome. It's building fortitude in me. It's building conquering power and conquering determination in my life. So I'm going to glory in the problems because they're going to make me determined to make it. Determined to win. You know what the difference between David and the rest of the whole nation of Israel was when Goliath started marching? Was that that nation was willing to live with their giants. David said, I'm going to conquer the giant. 
Do we want to live with our giants? So we're going to say, no, we're not going to live with that giant. We're going to slay the giant. We're going to conquer the giant. We're going to overcome the problem. We're going to overcome the trial. We're going to make it. We're not just going to endure this situation. It's going to get better. And I'm going to see to it. You follow me? Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, I can do it by the grace of God. That's everybody. There ain't no special people in that passage. It's to everybody. Amen. He goes on, he says this. And patience, experience. Patience builds experience. Because the more that you go through and overcome, are you with me? It builds experience. It builds character. So the more you go through and the more that you overcome, the stronger you become and the more purer you become. Because when it talks about experience, it talks about character. It's talking about metal that is placed in the fire. And when the metal is placed in the fire, what does it do, Brother Bobby? It makes it stronger. What do they call that? Anybody know what that, what, Brother, what, do you know what that is? When they, when they put, put, you look like maybe a welder or something. You're not, are you? But they, I used to it pure. So when you're going through a trial and you overcome that trial, it's building character in you and it's going to make you stronger. The next battle you face, you're going to be stronger and more pure as you go. Isn't that awesome? How many know what I'm talking about? You overcame something in your life and when you overcame that, the next obstacle, whoo, you were stronger to face it. And it says experience or that stronger, purer walk ends in hope. You know why it ends in hope? Because you realize that as long as you don't let the problem conquer you and you conquer it, it's making you stronger and purer and you've got to hope that there's a reward to come. The Bible said that Jesus had to overcome. He had to overcome sin. He had to overcome death. He had to overcome an angry cr a crowd of people that was coming against him. He had to overcome. And he tells us to overcome as he overcome. He didn't just passively let everything happen. He overcome them. He conquered them. Now he's sitting in the throne. You with me today? If you will conquer your problems and not let your problems conquer you, you're going to get stronger and stronger, and you're going to end up with a reward in heaven. Is anybody in, in here going for that reward in heaven? <laughs> Call me carnal if you want to, but I'm after a reward. I, I'm going for it, man. I'm like a racer in a race. I don't run to get last place. I run to get the gold medal. I'm like a boxer in a boxing ring, man. I, I'm not going in there to get beat up and destroyed, man. I'm in there to win, man. I'm in there to knock that guy out. 
And if I, listen, and, and I know you know I'm, you think I'm carnal out of that's all right. But God talked about beating, fighting air, boxing. He knows about racing. He, he used all of that. So anyway. But that's the way he wants you to be in this race in your walk with God. Don't, don't get beat up and don't lose the race. Plan to win and plan to knock it out, friend. Plan to overcome. And know that when you do, they're going to put a crown. He's going to put a crown on your head. A crown that fadeth not away. Eternal crown. I'm after it. I'm going to win. I'm going, you look at this preacher. I'm going to win by the grace and power of God. I'm going to win. I'm not going to come in last. I plan on living this life and winning in this life. I don't plan on this life conquering me. I plan on reigning in this life. You don't hear me, do you? Come on, church. Listen to me. What is the difference between... Listen, you got two kinds of people. You got a person, when they start going through trials and troubles and problems, they end up in despair totally devastated full of despair that's one person but you got the person that Paul's talking about who doesn't end up in despair but ends up in conquering power and strength overcoming praise the Lord somebody say praise the Lord is that you It has nothing to do with your personality. It has all to do with your faith in God. And when you feel like giving up, never give up. When you're in training right now. I'm in training right now. Have y'all ever ran track or anything like that or trained in athletics? You know what it's like to be in training and they run you till your sides are killing you? And you walk into the, into the whatever, the locker room, and you lay down there, and you got a headache that's killing you, and you feel like you're going to die. Why in the world do you do that? So that when the race day comes, boy, you're going you to win. Christianity is likened unto that. When we have our trials and troubles and problems and all of that, we've got to overcome them because there's a crown, there's a reward that's waiting for us. Hallelujah. You got an uh, overcoming spirit in you? Somebody say amen. I want to tell you what. I want to tell you what. I can, I can recognize a winner and an overcomer in a crowd in a second. You know why? Because when they come to church, they... Man, they run, they shout. You can't shut them down because they're overcoming spirits. I had one lady in here that said, man, I see people and they got all kinds of good things happening in their life. And I come to church and I have to fight and I have to praise God as loud as I can. And I have to run and I have to shout. And she said, why don't those people that everything's going good for, why don't they praise? Well, they've got an overcoming spirit. When they come to church, they're fighting, man. They're ready. Woo! But then we got the, the passe. Is that a word? <laughs> I make them up as I go. 
Praise the Lord. This is the overcoming life, man. I don't know about you, but I'm in a battle, and I've got to win the battle. I'm in a race, and I've got to win the race. I can't be passive. I've got to overcome. I've got to conquer. I can't be passive. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. And hey, hope maketh not ashamed. Hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Because He loves us. I know he loves me this morning because he just pours his love into me. And I can put my confidence in the love of God that he cares about me. No matter what I'm facing, by his grace and power, I will overcome it because I know he cares and I know he loves me. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 6, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We didn't even have any strength. No strength. But that's when he died. He died for you and me when we had no strength. When we were ungodly, we were in the world. That's when he died for us. When you were at your worst, he was at his best. When you're at your worst today, he's still at his best. I know you enjoy listening. I know you do. Are you with me today? Let me explain something to you. It's not all in the listening. You with me today? You can't sit there and think something into creation. You got to speak it. You with me today? When I talk, you talk. Hear me? I don't, no, 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 this listening, that's, I, I like that, I mean, I'm glad that you're hearing what I'm saying, but I don't want to be the only one talking, I want you to talk back to me. Amen? And I'm not saying that to get your emotion, man, before I ever started preaching, I, they started preaching the Word of God, I couldn't just sit there, I'd have to get up and say, yeah, praise God, yes. what because I wanted to feel what that dude's feeling man I wanted that power that he had so I'm gonna move I'm gonna move in that you with me today glory to God so you're not gonna interrupt me if you say praise God you're not gonna interrupt me if you walk up there and slap me on the back push me down to the floor you don't worry about that I don't want to be the only one talking come on get with it Glory to God. Mm. But we didn't have any strength in times past. And Jesus went all the way and he was at his best when we were at our worst. 
don't care how bad you think you are, Jesus was at his best for you. You know, a lot of people try to clean their life up and then get the power of God and get God in them. No, God said, I've already done it for you. Get me first and then your life will get straightened out. Don't try to straighten your life out and then get me. Get me and then get straightened out. I've got to quickly move. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God, let's say God. I love that. But God. Somebody say, but God. <clears throat> Go through the Word of God and read how many times it says, but God. Man, it talks about people on the brink of going into hell, but God. People lost in sin and death, but God. Look at how many times that people had problems in their life and sicknesses in their body, but God. He can change it in a second, but God. But God. Somebody say, but God. Oh, that says everything. <laughs> I don't feel good, but God. I don't know what to do, but God. Oh, you get God on your side, that's all you need. I failed the other day, but God. I lost my way, but God. I almost gave up, but God. I almost threw in the towel, but God. Somebody shout, but God. Somebody shout, but God. I, I like this. But God. We got some good Baptist folks here. Hallelujah. Hey, what's while you're here? Amen. 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 <laughs> Goodness. Hallelujah. <laughs> God's good, isn't he? But brother, I just don't get emotional. But God. <laughs> I don't get emotional, but God. I don't get excited, but God. I don't dance, but God. I don't shout, but God. Oh, now you're saying something now. He can save people from their sins. Are you with me today? <clears throat> I enjoy myself, y'all. Y'all enjoy yourself? I enjoy myself in God. Let me go on. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what? Jesus came to show us God's attitude. He didn't come to show you that God had changed his attitude towards you. He came to, sh to show you what God's attitude already was. And that his attitude was love. He loves us. Not now, when we were in the world, He loved us. You know what God, if you want to know what God thinks about you, look at Jesus. And the Bible said, He displayed the attitude of God. He showed that He loved us. <clears throat> An enemy comes over there and beats you on the head and tells you God don't love you anymore. And he, 
you've gone too far and all of that. <laughs> That's not the word. The word says God loved you before you were even in Him. You think He's going to stop loving you after you've come to know Him? Somebody say praise the Lord. <clears throat> While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more. Let's say verse 9, much more. Then being now justified by His blood, we were, that's past. His blood took care of my justification. I'm right with Him because of the blood of Jesus. I want to show you something. Look at me. You're looking at a son of God. You're looking at a child of God. You're looking at a man that's going to have a glorified body someday. You're looking at a man that's going to have immortality someday. Look at me. Because <laughs> God already took care of me. Now, you see, that's the problem is you don't have a revelation of that for your own life. You don't have a revelation that someday you're, that you are a son of God right now, that someday you're going to have a glorified body, live in eternity with God Himself, and be a ruling reign of the universe. If you live like that, nothing can get you down, man. <laughs> Amen? Now, I'm not telling you I've never had a bad day. I'm just telling you I ain't let the bad days conquer me. Amen. Hallelujah. Whoa, Jesus. Glory. I've had some bad days. He said we were justified by His blood already. We, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Amen. If we were saved by His blood before we came to know Him, after I've come to know Him, let me tell you, the hard part was your justification. The hard part was making you right when you were wrong. The hard part was making you a son of God when you were a son of the devil. The hard part was redeeming you. That was the hard part. And I'm here. It's done. The hard part's done. You hear me? The hard part's done. The easy part for God is to save me by His life. The easy part now is that God is in me. And He keeps me saved. If He could do the hard part and reach me when I was lost, what makes me think that He can't keep me saved now once He got me? He already did the hard part. This is the easy part, keeping me saved and giving me the power to live for Him. That's the easy part. Do we get a hold of that? How many of y'all remember when y'all were in the world and didn't know God and it was sin, in sin, on your way to hell? And the miracles that God performed and the people He brought in your life to bring you into redemption, that was hard. The easy part is now, keeping me that way. And we sometimes struggle and we think, oh, I wonder if I'm going to make it. And God said, it's easy for me. Amen. 
Oh, are y'all getting my heart here? I'm just giving you my heart today. I'm not going to barely crawl into heaven. Lord, I barely made it, but here I am. No! God said when He comes, we're going to have an... And I'm going to get it to it in the book of Romans, in the 8th chapter, I believe it is. We are going to have an abundant entrance. We're not going to just barely scratch and crawl our way into the streets of God. We're going to walk in there abundantly with power, with victory. I'm not just barely going to make it. I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. We, I got, we got it. We're getting a picture of a big God now. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know what? Our little brains, we try to put our limitations on God. We, that's what the devil tried to do. He tried to put his limitations on God. And God said, okay, you think you, you got me figured out? Boom, I'll just kick you out of heaven like a flea. That's our problem. We, our minds limit God. I'm not barely going to make it. I'm going in there. Oh, totally victory. Total victory. Praise the Lord. He said, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. The wrath that's going to come on those that reject Him, we're going to be saved from that. We're not going to the tribulation period, the wrath of God. He's going to save us from that. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His, say it together, life. His life in us. If we were reconciled by His death, He died and saved me. How much more can He keep me saved now that He's alive in me? Much more. And we're trying to keep ourselves instead of just praying and talking to God and getting full of the Spirit and let Him keep us. I love this illustration. You ever seen a baby when you're holding them? Man, they're holding on to Daddy like everything you got, man. Daddy gonna drop me, I, I gotta hold on myself, right? And that's the way we feel about God so that we're holding on to God, man. Our knuckles are getting white, boy. Oh God, I got a hold of you. I'm not letting go. And give it about 30 minutes and that baby goes to sleep and his grip goes. <laughs> and dad's still holding. You know what? That's what God's saying today. He's saying, I've, by my life, I've given you strength. You're trying to hold on to me with your strength, but I'm, I'm the one really holding on to you. <laughs> I've got you in my arms. Let go and I'm still going to hold on to you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. The Bible says this, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. Amen. We have free pardon. He's freely pardoned you. Don't walk, don't walk in, back out of this church with, with guilt on you. He's freely pardoned you. He's forgiven you. Listen to me. When you fail and you've asked God to forgive you, don't bring it back to church with you. Don't carry it on your shoulders from that day forward and hold that guilt. Forgive yourself and understand God has freely pardoned you. Don't live in the past. Live in the present. Don't look at yourself as from where you came from. Look at where you are and what God has done. Because if you live in the past, your past will destroy you. 
But if you say yes to God and no to your past, you're going to walk in victory. Everybody's missed the mark. Don't think you're the only one. Everybody has. You with me today? <clears throat> life, let's all say by his life. Let's say by his life. Listen, as long as I'm walking in living faith and the life of God is in me and I haven't rejected him, I'm going to be saved. If I'm walking in his life, his life is in me now, then I'm going to have salvation in eternity. Amen? The scripture continues to read, and it says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Who's that talking about? Adam. He sinned. He represented the whole human race as a head of the whole human race. And when he sinned, he plunged the whole human race into sin. Because he's the head. Let's all say he's the head of the human race. That's where I used to be, in the old Adam. But now I have peace with God. That separation is brought back together. The scripture says this, <clears throat> For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there was, is no law. There was sin in the world before the law came. But when the law came, it defined sin. So men knew what sin was. The scripture says, 14, Therefore death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. He said, Then when the law came, death reigned. You can look at from... All the, all the, from all the way to Adam and we come up to Moses we see death, death, death because of sin death because of sin and the Bible says this even people that didn't sin after the similitude of Adam's transgression that means this that when, you, when we sinned we didn't sin like Adam because when Adam sinned he was represented the whole race of people and he plunged the whole race into sin. When I sinned, I didn't sin and plunge the whole human race into sin. I sinned personally. Therefore, I'm guilty personally. But Adam sinned and plunged the whole race. So we didn't sin at the similitude of Adam, who was a figure of him that was to come. So Jesus Christ is the last Adam. Now, let me see. I'm going to stop. Amen? I'm going to stop. I lost you between verse whatever and verse this one. But I'm going to show you next week what Jesus has done. We're in a new family, a new race, new people, new head. All of that's in Jesus Christ. He's the last Adam. And what you lost in the first Adam, we have much more restored in the last Adam. Amen? And the reason why I'm stopping because it would take me another hour and a half to, to finish this. And I didn't hear anybody say preach on, so I'm stopped. <laughs> oh, I thank God today that I'm a conqueror. I don't know about you, but I'm a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I don't know about you, but I plan to win, not to lose. Yeah. Hallelujah. And it's by God's power and by His grace. And that's what I have to do, just trust in Him, rely upon His own strength, and I'll make it. If you want to know how, it's so simple, isn't it? So simple. Just be full of spirit and walk with God. That's all he asks, and he'll help you. Let's stand. Lord God, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy and your grace.
Lord, we ask you to help strengthen us, God, by your power, by your might, God. We thank you that we serve a mighty God. We serve an awesome God today. There's nothing too hard for you, God, today. We know that. We see that. God, we believe that we shall reign, that we do reign. We are kings and priests, that we do reign, God, in this life. Over the powers of darkness, over sin, over our struggles, God, we will conquer by your power and by your grace. You have made us a promise. We are your people, God. You love us dearly. You died for us before we even knew you as your people. And now that we are your people, God, you will save us and keep us safe, God. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me and what you've done for so many here today, Lord, and not giving up on us. When we deserve to die and deserve to be given up on God, you didn't ever give up. And we just thank you for that today. We thank you, God, that your arm's not short, that you cannot save, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you would reach us, God, in the, even in the depths of sin and die for us. And display your love to every person in this church building today, God, that you love us even in our sin. You died for us. And all we have to do is carry it back to Calvary and lay it at the foot of the cross and ask you to forgive us of that sin, God, and you'll wash us with your blood and fill us with your spirit and give us power to live for you. We thank you for the opportunity to live for you, to love you, to, to worship you, to joy and glory in your presence, God. Thank you for fellowship and divine enablement, God. Thank you for giving us conquering ability and power, Lord, to overcome our tr troubles and struggles and problems. Thank you, Jesus, that you haven't given up on us, God, when we felt like giving up on ourselves. Thank you, Lord. You're a big God. Let us see how big you are. Listen to me. Sister Dale, I'm going to share this. You listen to the Holy Ghost. Sister Dale showed me a scripture in Jeremiah. Do you remember what that scripture is where it says the Lord take one from a city and two from a family? Or what was it? 314. Read this. I want her to read this to you. And I want to show you something. This is Jeremiah chapter 3. She showed me this scripture. I want you to listen to this. I want to show you something. Praise the Lord. I'm going to show you how powerful God is. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad we're not having a sword drill. Sister Adele would have lost. <laughs> Y'all know what a sword drill is, right? Okay. Um, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. He'll take one of a city, two of a family, and bring you to Zion. You know what he's saying there? This is what he will do for a worshiper. If you'll live for him and worship him and serve him, he'll take one person out of a family that is willing, that'll worship him and save him. Because they're worshipers. They're worshipers. He found Abraham. Listen, we've already talked about Abraham in the fourth chapter. He found Abraham bowing down to idols. Why did God pick Abraham when he's bowing down to the, God, the moon God? He saved Abraham. He called Abraham before he, Abraham knew him. He bowed down to idols. You know why God picked one of a city? Ur of Chaldees, Abraham, and called him because Abraham was a worshiper. Even though he worshipped idols, God said, look, he's a worshiper. 
And because Abraham is a worshiper, I'll take him from a city and raise him up. Whew, you've got to hear me. He'll take one person out of a family because they're worshipers. And they might even be bound down to, to idols and icons. But if they're worshipers, God sees that. And he'll straighten all that out and get them to worship him. But worshipers are the one he's going to turn to. If you're a worshiper. One of a city. Two of a family. He can look at a family of, of people. Cousins, aunts, uncles, all name them. I mean, some of y'all got lots of cousins and half cousins and quarter, quarter cousins and on it goes. Y'all got cousins. The whole, I've never seen anybody have many cousins as y'all have. Why did God pick you and not one of them? He saw you were a worshiper. One of a family. One of a city, two of a family. That's why. And he said, I'll bring them to Zion. Because they're worshipers. They, ooh, come on. I'll find an Abraham that's bound down to idols because I know that Abraham will worship me. Ooh, glory, you got to get a hold of this. Come on. God, listen to me. God, listen to me. God will put up with a lot of wickedness in a person's life you got to hear me if they're a worshiper because the most important thing is worship. If you'll worship Him, He'll straighten all the problems and the wickedness out. He'll take you when you're bowing down to idol gods, the moon gods, and call you out and save you because you're a worshiper. Oh, you've got to hear me. God loves a worshiper. And that's why we saw Abraham in the fourth chapter. We saw what kind of faith he had. Overcoming, conquering, victorious faith because he was a worshiper. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. We'll pray for the meal. Lord God, we thank you, God, for fellowship today. We thank you today, Lord Jesus, as we eat this meal, that you'll bless it and you'll nourish it to our bodies and bless our fellowship, God, together. Bless this church, God. We need your harvest to come in God we thank you for victory and power and anointing God we worship you we worship you we worship you thank you for finding me God <laughs> one in a city two in a family thank you God for picking me thank you for finding me Woo! I could be like somebody else in my family tonight today I could be like them, but God found me while I was yet a sinner. But He died for everybody. And He wants to save everybody. He don't want to leave anybody out of heaven. Nobody. He's not willing that any should perish. In the name of Jesus. Do you want to be a worshiper? Let me just put this. Don't do you want to be? Are you a worshiper? Are you a worshiper? Praise God. Glory to God. All right. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Be sure and hang around if you can. And we're going to eat, eat a, a good meal in the name of Jesus. See you tonight at 530 if you can come for prayer. 6 o'clock is the films.